Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Another big game feel as we get ready for the Flames and the Edmonton Oilers tonight here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan Calgary riding high, having won back-to-back games, taking on an Oilers team that sits third in the North Division. Excited for this one and exciting for the program, or excited for the program today. I'm Peter Klein. Logan Gordon is our producer. I can't wait any longer. We will not make him or you wait any longer. It's now time to chat with Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Lubardius. How are you today, sir? You know, Peter, I couldn't be better. I had an awesome weekend. I was lucky enough to watch three hockey games with my own two eyes in three nights. I was privileged and fortunate enough to watch the Calgary Hitmen play twice in that beautiful building, the uh, Seven Chiefs Sportsplex. Um, Obviously, sandwiched in between was a fine performance, maybe as good a performance the Calgary Flames have put on the table that we've seen in quite some time on Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, I don't have a whole lot to uh, be unhappy about coming out of the weekend. And then uh, a nice cherry on top with the Battle of Alberta tonight. Yes, a a lovely cherry. But before (laughs) we get strictly to the Battle of Alberta, um, if, if, if I can, let's, let's go back to uh, Saturday and let's think about um, what was different or maybe what was better Peter about Saturday. So Thursday you beat the Montreal Canadiens in Daryl Sutter's first game. And as a team, you put a complete, pretty complete 60 minute effort on the table Derek Ryan was a big driver in that particular game. Uh, You limited chances. You did a lot of good things. Now, coming away from Saturday, for me, there was a couple of differences. So, again, you limit the Canadians. A first period that was elite. 16-4 to shots. You smothered the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, um, after the first, I I thought one thing. Is this the same team I've been watching a lot of nights? Um, But they were connected. They managed the puck. They they had just outstanding play, and it paved the way for some real success. So the greatest thing about, at least for me personally, what I get to do is I get to chat with coaches and hockey people all the time. So um, on that topic, Sean Monaghan, one of the drivers, first two-goal performance since February 25th of last year against Boston. And, Peter, the neat thing about it was two different kinds of goals. And the second one, to me, was more important than the first. The first one looked backhand, accepted a pass about 10 feet in front, spun around, top shelf. That, that's a Sean Monaghan kind of goal. 
We've seen a lot of those. In fact, that was number 200 of his career. It's the second one that was the difference maker for me, came on a power play and was about a foot and a half tap in. And what made that more important is where did you go to get it? Were you willing to go there to get it? And in many ways, that spoke volumes. This team hasn't scored easy. But for Daryl Sutter, what does he value? He values, and I asked him on Saturday, well, he values puck possession. He values shot volume. He values getting to gritty, hard areas to make good things happen. And a line I'll share with you that he shared with me is he said, nothing better than doing it the right way in all three zones so you get to spend more time in what he called the fun zone. Well, the Flames spent a lot of time in the fun zone, and that's the offensive zone, and people like Monaghan did it very well, and as a group, their center ice play was excellent. Now, that's some of my take. More importantly, how about the coach? What were the differences for him between what he saw Thursday and what he saw unfold on Saturday? I think that's closer to how we want to play, but I, you know, I think also in in, uh, in the second game because you have the three goal advantage, you know, you're not you're you're using players more, being knowing that what the schedule is going forward, and you're probably pulling a few minutes away from guys or a few shifts. I think that uh, the first game, being a two-one game, was was. I'd like to tell our forwards played in that game, and I wasn't thrilled with uh, the way our three pairs played. So, uh, you know what? We need a really good balance. That's that is the key with the schedule this year. And and right now, you have a little bit of advantage of being at home for these games. So so you have a pretty good idea of who you can have out there at certain times. But uh, we have to have that all in place before we go on the road because. Uh, you're not going to have that advantage. So really interesting, don't you think, Peter? That's part of the coaches' show coming up on Flames warm-up tonight where Daryl steered it and took it. So um, talked about his three defensive pairs. They made a change. They played Oliver Shillington instead of Nikita Nistroff, and I don't think you're going to see any changes to that group, but you know, again, what's the basis of your group? It's from the net out. So he wanted more from his three defensive pairings. That was one of the changes, but in how that group of six played, that's where he saw some great growth. And the other takeaway there to me, again, with him, he says it all the time, about a four-line group and six defensemen. And that echoes to me team game. And when you are at home, as they are tonight, Peter, against the Edmonton Oilers, you get to dictate a little bit more in terms, while the game will dictate, you get more of a choice in terms of, 
you know, when the other group sends their players out, you get the opportunity to match to begin. So it was neat for me to hear in that answer as well about when your team game really needs to be at its strongest point, when even more so on the road, because you don't get to control the matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that will be interesting. And uh, you, you look at the, or you hear him talk about rolling four lines. And like you said, this is uh, about four lines and the, the three defensive pairings. And you look at five on five ice time and the forward groups are pretty similar once again. And when you have that and when you are able to do that, it just makes life so much easier instead of, well, we have to play this line two minutes and we have to shelter this and that. There's still some situations that you have to manage a little bit differently, but boy, it makes life a whole lot easier when you can just roll those four lines when things are going at five on five. Well, again, what it always boils down to for me is if you look at that game any way you want, the eye test, analytically, ice time, that game Saturday checked every Calgary Flames box that you would want. And they won the game in every single area. But, Peter, I I truly believe the misnomer is – you can play the game to design when what happens when your players play the game that allows the design and for you to paint the proper picture. That's always, you know, when you think about why people will juggle or go to the blender, I think immediately it becomes, and everybody's different, you know, and that's the thing. Um, It is not by design to want to juggle and mix and do a lot of different things. That's not how you draw it up in your plan. But the players still have to go out and execute. And and that's the point that I'm always trying to at least, you know, talk about. Because I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And tonight, that execution is going to be very key as you take on, um, uh, as the the Flames kind of take on a, a team in, in Connor McDavid. And this will be the first time that we'll be seeing the, the Flames against Connor McDavid with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. And um, if we're looking at kind of grading things out, uh, tough to have a much better first week than Daryl Sutter had with the Calgary Flames. Hey, Lou? No, no, you can't. You can't. Um, the greatest thing that I get to do, and I think all of us probably can challenge ourselves to do, is to listen to the people who know more. There, there is great, great value. Um, and yesterday, Peter, I, I hope that I've made this clear. I think everything in life is about buying and selling and how do you sell it and how is it received? I think it touches every walk of life. And then there's another caveat and people may be driving around or listening today. The the people that I in many ways respect the most are people who do both of those things really, really well 
Peter, are you familiar with the Rolling Stones song about it's not always you get what you want, you get what you need? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could sing it word for word for you for right now, and I don't know if I even want to hear no. that, but I am familiar with the song, yes. But you know the premise. Yeah. So I always think people operate in the best possible way when whatever it is, it's something that they want to do rather than what they need to do. That is more of a position of strength for all of us. And in the process of learning more and more all the time about Daryl and why he has been a great head coach, um, I was really taken the day after the announcement was made, I talked to a member of the Flames staff, and that member said to me he'd been in meetings and had, had you know, watched Daryl, and he said, I think this guy could lead anything when he's all in and invested because of his smarts, how progressive he is. I mean, this is an incredibly intelligent guy who knows what he wants, has been able to define it for himself, and thus, I believe, can define it simply for others. And Jack Michaels, our cohort, who's the television voice of the Edmonton Oilers, asked Daryl again about why he came back to do this in Calgary. And I've listened to this now six times. It's about to be seven. If you ever want to know about this man, I think in this clip, I think he defines exactly who he is, what he's about, and what he believes in. So here's the answer to that question. I went to Los Angeles because I felt at that time they were a team that could, that could contend and win a Stanley Cup right away. And uh, in the back of my mind, losing in Game 7 with the Flames was sort of, in the Stanley Cup Finals, was sort of the one thing that always wanted me to, okay, if it's the right situation, I'd go again. I'm not a, I'm not a coach that, that I, I, I'm not interested in coaching 31 teams. I'm not interested in coaching just to coach. I'm interested in coaching strictly to win a Stanley Cup and to see if you can, and, and, and that's it, nothing else. It's not about, uh, it takes, a, it's, a, it's a hard job being a head coach and it takes its toll. And, and the only reward in for a coach, for a head coach in today's game is, is, that, is that what's at the end of the tunnel. And I've coached a lot of games in the NHL, and, but to me, the bottom line is still, uh, how many games you've coached in the playoffs, how many, have won, how many you've won, and championships. And that would be the only thing that drives me. And, and uh, you know, I'm, that's, that's what I believe. And, and there's, there's, quite honest, there's guys that coach for a long time and they're career coaches and they never win nothing. So I guess that's why they're career coaches. And, and I'm the other way where... Uh, you do get to choose your teams a little bit and you do get to say, no, I don't want to go there. And no, I don't want to go there. And yes, I'd like to go there. But at the same time, you have a life too. And you want to make sure that it's, 
the right place. And, and uh, I'm from Alberta. My family's from Alberta. And I said, yep, that's that's a good place. Mr. Klein, I know what I took away. What did you take away when you heard that? There are a few takeaways from that. The, the first is like it, it, this. This isn't someone who is doing this because they, they kind of need to do this. This is someone who is doing this because they, they want to do it and it is the right situation for them. And I, I think that can give you confidence from a, a Flames fan perspective that, that he's not coming into this just as like a, a guy trying to get a fix as a hockey coach. He is someone who is believing that this is a group that can progress to being a team that contends for a Stanley Cup. So I, I thought that was, I, I really liked that answer when I heard it over the weekend. And, and I'm like you, I've listened to it a couple of times now. And the thing that, yeah, the, the main takeaway is that if he didn't have confidence in how this team was built, he wouldn't have come back to this group and he sees something that he can be kind of that final piece to the puzzle here. It's something he wanted to do. Yeah. Not needed to do. And the buy-in from his players in two games and things they have said, in things that his associate coaches have said, they're buying they are truly fine because he knows what he wants. He can define what he wants. He makes it simple for people and he believes it. Is that easy sometimes for a lot of us to get to that place? No, it isn't because he has won. He's done it. He has balance in his life. He loves being on that farm. He loves his family. And he's had a ton of experience. So last week when he was asked, at his age, with the modern day player, can you do it the same way? And what did he say? And I'm paraphrasing. Not only can I do it, I think I can do it better. So, to me, in many ways, he was, he was the star of the weekend. And now we get a chance to see, with four really difficult games starting tonight, how this story continues to play itself out. And for his players, who are the players that are going to be truly committed to doing it the right way? And as you mentioned, some tough matchups, and it starts with the Edmonton Oilers tonight. And I would imagine that a matchup against Connor McDavid is one that Daryl gets excited about when you get to the, the X's and O's and trying to figure out how to, to shut different people down. It, you can never truly shut Connor McDavid down, uh, but th this will be a fun matchup as Daryl goes up against Connor McDavid. Well, it, it will be a, a fun matchup. And again, because it's kind of Daryl's day. Here was Daryl yesterday on Connor McDavid and his thoughts on this player. Well, 
I don't think he's singled out Calgary Flames as his main target. <laughs> I've watched him lots. I live close. I live 80 miles from Edmonton, so I've watched the others more uh, or as much as I've watched uh, El Calgary and Vancouver. So hey, he's a great player, bottom line. He's, he's uh, head and shoulders the best player in the league, so I don't think there's one player that stops Connor McDavid. It's a, it's a tough guy to stop. You just try and slow him down within the rules and limit his chances. And and uh, you know, obviously they have a great power play, and he pretty much dominates that part of the game too. So you know, there's it's on everybody to slow Connor McDavid down. It's on everybody to slow Connor McDavid down. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, let's go back to the last meeting of these two teams. And Daryl said last Monday that he thought how they played in Edmonton in the first period was as good a period as he had basically seen all season in watching hockey, not just the Flames. But they did it for one. And Connor McDavid, Peter, as you know, is going to get his. And especially since the change, and remember the change that happened for the Oilers in that game. That's when they reunited McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's what Dave Tippett did, because after 20 minutes, the Calgary Flames dictated to the Edmonton Oilers. So that changed the Oilers, and now they've gone about their business differently as a result. When you are watching, when you are listening, I think there's lots of things in, in dealing with that line and Connor as the driver of that line. If he's going to play 24 or 25 minutes, Peter, which zone do you think he enjoys playing in the most? Uh, I would venture to say the offensive zone. The fun zone. Yes. Where would you like him to spend the majority of his time? In the not-so-fun zone. Right. Um, so, so the more you can, with your forecheck, being connected as five, the more time you can spend against that group by managing the puck properly, taking care of it, putting it in good places. Can you, to the best of your ability tonight, put as close to three periods on the table against Edmonton that looked like the first? You have to make him come through layers. And the Flames didn't do a lot of things they didn't like in that game. But the Oilers scored a couple of goals on the rush that led to that triumph. And McDavid had a goal and two assists for three points. So for your group of five, games against stars. This is kind of, for me, Peter, the consummate battle of team versus stars and i and and i i'm not disrespecting the oilers i'm not they are way more than people give them credit for in the sum of their parts too i.e 
Jujar Kara's line saw a lot of the Monaghan line in that game in Edmonton, and they did a great job. It wasn't just those two guys. But how you manage the puck, can you make the minutes of their best people uncomfortable and keep them out of the fun zone and... Nobody more dangerous I've ever watched in the sport, period. End of story, on the rush. You've got to make him come through layers. And you have to be also, while you're dealing with him, every guy on the five-man unit needs to really be good at their job and aware of that assignment. That is what's in front of the Calgary Flames tonight. And after the last two games, they look like they're in a pretty good place to give it a heck of a go. Oh, I can't wait for this one. It's going to be a lot of fun, Lou. Looking forward to your call on it tonight and looking forward to chatting whatever we get. Looking forward to to chatting about it with you tomorrow. Thank you for this, sir. Me too. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It is the Flames and the Oilers tonight. Warm-up is at 6, puck drop is at 7. All of it is here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Hockey Central at noon. Later, the guys go inside hockey. And it is brought to you by Calgary Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Uh, Beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine, Spirits, Beer today. It was another busy weekend in the WHL with one player catching everyone's attention. We'll discuss that with our WHL roundtable coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. This is a Calgary Flames game day coming off of several Calgary Hitmen game days over the weekend. Welcome back to Hockey Central at Noon, everyone. I'm Peter Klein. I missed out on this last week, so happy that I'm a part of it now. It's our WHL roundtable. First, the voice of the Calgary Hitmen, Brad Curl. Mr. Curl, how are you today, sir? Good afternoon, Peter Klein. I'm well. Yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And we head out to Lethbridge for the play-by-play voice of the Hurricanes. It is Dustin Forbes. Uh, Dustin, how are you today? speechless uh all right hopefully we will get a uh um <laughs> hopefully we'll have the uh the connection there dustin are you there now and how are you i'm here can you you got me yes we can hear you now okay yeah it's a beautiful day down here as i'm sure it is in calgary so things are good Excellent. Uh, well, busy weekend for both of you. Uh, given the amount of goal calls you all had, I am thrilled uh, you both have voices today. So thank you for this. Uh, I want to start with a, a bit of a broader question for both of you. We know the situation around this season a little bit different than normal, and th- there is absolutely nothing normal about it. But just from an on-ice perspective, uh, Brad, let's start with you. How has this season, now that we're a, a couple weekends into this thing, how has just the on-ice product been in terms of what you were expecting? It's been useful. That's probably the one word that I would use okay. to describe it. This, I think, has been an approach by most teams as a very, very much uh, a learning curve. Uh, there's a lot more 
um, shall we say, a focus on development. You know, not in years past, that hasn't been the case. I know the Calgary hitman, Dustin, can speak to Lesbridge in a moment, but from the Calgary philosophy, ever since Kelly Kissio was around as the general manager, he was always of the belief, you have four lines, you play four lines. You have 6D, you play 6D. You have two goalies, you rotate them through. There's always been that development portion to it, but I think the focus more than ever now is on the development. And you look at for Calgary, the hitman is a prime example you know, one of their better lines on the weekend was a trio of rookies, Brandon Wynott, Tristan Zandy, and Zach Funk. You know, there's a real trust from the coaching staff to, to play the youth. A lot of focus on just getting the guys the reps. You know, they haven't been on the ice for almost a year when we finally got at it last weekend for Calgary. So the real focus this year is on development. The young guys are playing just as much as the old guys. So that's the big takeaway for me. Yeah, and I agree, Curly, too. I think the same philosophy rings true in Lethbridge. I mean, you mentioned Kelly Kissio, and of course his son Brent Kissio, the head coach here. So since he arrived here five and a half years ago to take the helm as the head coach along with Peter Anholt as the GM, they've always had the kind of dual mentality of we want to develop our young players, but we also want to be competitive and how you balance that. And this year with the 24 games, We've seen it. Uh, the Hurricanes have a very young decor, especially. And if you look up front, they're being led by 19-year-old Justin Hall. But after that, Alex Thacker, 18 years old. Zach Stringer, 17 years old. Uh, that line really came together uh, on this weekend. Alex Thacker, uh, the product of Fort Saskatchewan, has six points in five games for the Hurricanes. So uh, I, I think the same philosophy uh, down here in Lethbridge as well. Uh, I want to kind of keep going with this. I do want to get to the weekend at some point, but I kind of want to keep going on this because um, Will Nault on the big show has uh, hitman coach Hamilton on every week. And one of the things he talked about was trying to make this season special for the 20 year olds. Dustin, when we talk about getting that development time in for some of these younger players, and we talk about that balance, it it has to be kind of tricky that you don't just want to cast the 20 year olds aside. And I'm not saying that either of you guys are saying that, but you don't want to cast the veterans aside and use this strictly as, a development year because this is supposed to be a big deal for these kids as well it absolutely is and in Lethbridge's case if you look back to last year Coltrane Wilson a defenseman down here you know really developed into a good player was undrafted in the NHL and last year had such a great season as an overage defenseman that he was able to sign a professional contract of course with the Stockton Heat in the Flames organization so uh, the the 24 games certainly not lost for the overagers in Lethbridge's case Mitch Prouse Dino Combiteson recently acquired off waivers Liam Kindry who uh, got in the the weekend a couple of games uh, out of the three that the Hurricanes played against Red Deer and looked pretty good having not played for over a calendar year, if you can imagine that. Um, so certainly, like I said before, it's kind of a, a dual mentality of you want to be competitive. You want to give the, the players that uh, have been undrafted an opportunity to, you know, move on to pro hockey, but at the same time, coupling that with developing your young core so that as you go, you're, you're competitive year over year. And on the Hitman side of things, you know, the veterans are very much the veterans and they do still play a lot. Josh Prokop among the 20 year olds, he's a captain this year. And I know he's very excited to not only be a captain, but also get one more crack at playing another season together with his brother. And I just look back to a few years ago when Calgary had brothers and Travis and Taylor Sanheim. And still to this day, they cherish that as one of the most memorable hockey moments. And you look at Travis, he's now, you know, one of the best defensemen of the Philadelphia Flyers. He's got a lot of comparables and still talks about playing with his brother is still one of his best hockey moments. Well, for Josh Prokop, he gets to play this season with his brother, Luke Prokop. And for Orkin. 
I spot another one of the Calgary Hitman 20-year-olds. Real cool moment for him this past weekend. He's had the chance to play against his brother, Ozzy, who, of course, is with the Prince Albert Raiders. But they don't play each other this year because Ozzy's over there in that East Division. And as we know, under the new COVID rules, you don't mix provinces. But he does now have the luxury of playing against his youngest brother, and that's uh, Oasis. So on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this past weekend, the Wiseblatt brothers went head-to-head. And, you know, it was funny to watch because in warm-up, the, uh, the officials are not allowed on the ice. It's one of the steps they've taken in the Western Hockey League. They keep the linesmen and the referees off the ice during warm-up. They do watch from a side in case something goes crazy. But it was like a, a social distancing party along the red line because Orca and Oasis spread out, sitting there down on one knee, just having a good old chat. Because, again, that's one of the situations is normally after the game, you can go mix with the visiting team and you can visit. Well, under the COVID-19 protocols, that's not allowed. You have to keep your space. So the only chance you really get to see each other face-to-face is uh, during the game. So for Orca, I had that opportunity with Oasis and the third Calgary Hitman 20-year-old Riley Stotts. This is a big year for him in the sense that I really thought that the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to sign him last year. He had another good season. He tied to the team lead in scoring, but the Leafs chose not to for Stotts. This is now a chance for him to to make some more noise and, and hopefully get a contract before the year is done. Our WHL roundtable here on Sportsnet 960, the fan here on Hockey Central at noon continuing. Let, let's focus on the teams you guys cover now. Well, we'll start with Brad's hitmen. A rough start to the weekend, Brad, but they rebound on Sunday. What did you see from Calgary over these three games? Well, I think that uh, the special teams department really stood out to me and, and not in a good way. If I said to you, okay, here's the weekend. You play three games against Medicine Hat. The Tigers are going to go 8 for 12 on the power play. The Hitmen are going to go 0 for 9. You probably think there's no way in a million years that the Hitmen are winning any one of these games. Well, Calgary did. They went 1 and 2 against Medicine Hat. Actually outshot the Tigers as a collective number over the weekend, 118 to 7. It was just the special teams that cost them the first two games because in both those games, it was like deja vu. Tigers go 3 for 4 on the power play. The Hitmen go 0 for 3. Now, I think Calgary, maybe their best game of the weekend is the one in Medicine Hat where they did not win. They ran into a young goaltender by the name of Beckett Lanko. And if you recognize that last name, you're going, I wonder if he's related to former flame Damon Lanko. You'd be right. Damon is his uncle. So Beckett in his WHL view was terrific. And the Calgary Hitman, as Cale Zimmerman said, maybe left some meat on the bone in Medicine Hat. Played well enough to win, but lost 4-2 on Saturday. But then on Sunday... You know, they found a way to kill a penalty when they had to. It was, again, starting off the same way. The Tigers score a power play goal early in the first period. Again, another one in the second period and in the third with a hitman up the goal. Medicine Hats going to the power play, and you could just see the trepidation on the ice going, okay, here come the Tigers and their power play again. But the hitman got two big kills in that third period and went at 5-4. to four. And Steve Hamilton kind of summarized it like this, the head coach. We still have a lot of work to do. Guys are in positions that they're not used to. For example, Calgary's defensive core, only two returning defensemen killed penalties all of last year. And their number one power play unit, with the exception of Riley Stotts, is gone. They've all moved on to pro hockey. So there's a lot of new faces and new places. And it's, it's fun to watch, but at the same time, you will give up some, some opportunities. And it was reflective on the uh, yesterday. Shots were 41-41, by no means a defensive lockdown. <laughs> 
Um, now, now, one of the things that kind of stands out when you, you go through some of these games is the familiarity you have with the names. We already talked about Josh Prokop. Uh, Jackson Vandalist scores the winner on Sunday. Um, a, a few other names that, that are popping up. And we've already talked about the, the veterans and trying to, to work them in. But Dustin, from a, an on-ice perspective, with everything being so crazy, I would imagine that when it comes to just winning these damn hockey games, uh, having, the, having your veteran players be that calming influence and being the players you can rely on has to be a huge help for a team yeah absolutely and I think you always rely on your leadership group I mean Peter Anholt the Hurricanes general manager talked about that last week when they brought in Liam Kindre off of waivers the overager from Kelowna who spent his entire career with the Rockets uh, up until this past weekend and that was one of the reasons why the Hurricanes brought him in uh, to to stabilize the leadership group with Mitch Prouse and Dino Tombites a couple of former Victoria Royals is the trio of overagers because the Hurricanes only had two prior and uh, Dino missed a game with an injury. Prouse is banged up this weekend. So uh, to have that leadership group because, and you can correlate it to all levels. If you're talking about the AJHL, the WHL, the NHL, uh, you often go as your main guys go and you you look at the Edmonton Oilers over the last decade right I mean there is so much talk about well they don't have anybody to lead the young group and and ultimately you need to know how to learn how to win hockey games and uh, that comes from experience and and you always lead uh, or lean on your your top guys and it's funny listen to Curly talk about the power play and and the special teams the same was was true for uh, our three games set against Red Deer this past week, and 24 goals uh, were scored in the three games, and there was a span of 10 straight special team goals, uh, eight power play goals, and two shorthanded goals up until the final goal in, in last night's loss for the Hurricanes to the Rebels 5-1 to in Red Deer. And uh, it, I, I don't know, Curly, maybe you can expand, but it, it feels like with the players having not played for over, well, close to a year, uh, it, the details almost uh, escaped them from all the pond hockey that they were playing. That uh, I, I don't know about what you think, but I I feel like we saw a lot more uh, power play opportunities as a result of missed assignments this weekend than uh, maybe you would in a regular year. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Let's just say that the skill has quite a bit of space out there to make some plays right now. I think it's going to tighten up as it goes along. But right now, if you're a skill guy in the Western Hockey League, you've got quite a bit of room to move. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and uh, as as Dustin mentioned, a lot of that skill on display. Uh, pretty boring weekend for you, hey, Dustin? Not not much in terms of drama or, or anything happening in those games. Holy crap, like Sunday, uh, whatever. But Friday and Saturday, like th- those, I mean, A, fantastic comeback. But B, the, the confidence to, to know that your team can come back in those situations, th- that has to be a, a huge boost for a team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to expand on what you're referring to, on Friday night, the Hurricanes score the first goal, give up four unanswered, trail the game 4-1, six minutes into a hockey game, and score six unanswered, three of which in the first period to tie it 4-4 after 20 minutes and go on to a 7-4 victory. And then Saturday night in Lethbridge, uh, score the first goal again, give up three unanswered to go down 3-1, eventually tie the game and Alex caught in the Detroit Red Wing prospect scoring on a power play in overtime to lift the Hurricanes to the victory. Uh, certainly some, the, the two words that came to mind and talking with Brent Kissio and Jeff Hansen 
uh, the assistant coach here in Lethbridge as well, of course, uh, another former Calgary Hitman coach, uh, were jam and resiliency because you saw a lot of that, especially in the first two games last night uh, in Red Deer. Uh, the the Hurricanes gave up two shorthanded goals on one power play in the second period at a in a one one game, and that kind of just deflates you, and and the ship kind of sank uh, sunk from there on out. But uh, it, it's always hard to to win back to backs, let alone three and threes against the same team. So. Uh, lots of good work, a, a good stride forward for the Hurricanes after a tough opening weekend a couple of weeks ago. And uh, speaking with Brent this morning, he he was happy about the weekend and the way it went for the Hurricanes. And he, he kind of said he's, it, it's funny because if we lost the first two games and you uh, – or sorry, if you lost the first game and you win the last two, you feel good about your weekend. I would have told you, yeah, it was a great weekend for us. But winning the first two – and losing the last one, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So uh, some work to be done ahead of the 3-3 three and three this weekend against Curly and the Hitman. Uh, like you mentioned those two shorthanded goals, with ha- which have to be just absolute backbreakers. But at 3-1 to one going into the third, are you sitting there like, yep, got them right where they want them. And there's no <laughs> problems here. Yeah, it crossed my mind for sure. And I had mentioned it early in their third. I was like, you know what? Like the last two nights, the Hurricanes have been down by at least two and came back to win. Uh, it wasn't their night. Uh, Byron Fancy from uh, Claire's home uh, had a great game. And Josh Tarswell, a former Lethbridge Hurricane overager for the Rebels, really led the way along with Chris Douglas, a, a fellow overager for the Rebels last night. So, uh, like I said before, it's hard to win home-and-home home sets against the same team, throw in a third game in as many days. Uh, I, I would be stunned to see any team sweep those three. And, uh, yeah, certainly the, the the wheels were turning, too, especially because over the last six calendar years, the Hurricanes have had such great success against the Rebels. If you look at it, they're 27-6-1-1 in the last 35 regular season meetings dating back to February of 2015. So you thought maybe there was a chance, but it wasn't meant to be last night. Our WHL roundtable, a couple more for the guys here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. Over there is Dustin Forbes from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And there is Brad Curl, play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitmen and fantasy baseball drafter extraordinaire. The rest of the season, eh, but the draft is very good. Um, uh, before we get into the weekend set uh, between your, your two teams, I, I do want to bring up uh, Connor Bedard. I, I sent a text to both you guys before this, like, hey, whatever you want to talk about, just let me know. And immediately the name Connor Bedard came back and... And, I mean, why not? Um, he certainly did nothing to derail the hype train with a couple nice goals over the weekend for the Regina Pats. Curly, we'll start with you. This is a player who's come into the league with a ton of hype, and that is not quieting down. No, it's not. And for those unfamiliar, CHL exceptional player status doesn't happen very often. In fact, Connor Bedard is the first player to receive that status in the Western Hockey League. You think of other names that have had that opportunity. Well, a couple from the OHL should be household names for you. You heard of John Tavares or Connor McDavid? Well, Connor Bedard is in that conversation. And as you mentioned, did not disappoint in his WHL debut, two goals, 48 seconds apart. That's impressive. But the first one was an end-to-end rush. And then he caps it off yesterday by adding another goal and an assist. And to give you some perspective about the hype involving Bedard, I don't know if he's helped himself by doing this, but I think it's a pretty cool story. You argue that one of the best players to maybe ever play the game is number 99, Wayne Gretzky. You could argue that another great player to play the game is number 97, Connor McDavid. How about number 98, Connor Bedard? That's the number he's chosen to wear in Regina. So there's all kinds of hype about this young man, Dustin. 
Yeah, he's he's terrific, and her Lethbridge Hurricanes fans will will be uh, uh, not as thrilled to hear the success because the Hurricanes, of course, held that draft pick uh, for a while, in, in which they got from the Swift Current Broncos and the Stuart Skinner, Georgia Estefan, and Tanner Nagel trade a couple of years ago, and ultimately flipped it to the Regina Pats two seasons ago to pick up two really good players in Jake LeCision and Nick Henry. But the hype is there, and he didn't disappoint. Uh, if you look at the weekend for the Pats, 0-2, they scored six goals, and he was in on four of them. So uh, certainly a great start for Connor, Connor Bedard. And uh, if you're a fan of the Regina Pats and, and a fan of the Western Hockey League, enjoy it, because I only imagine that it's going to last a, a couple of seasons because he'll be in the NHL as soon as he gets drafted. And on that note, guys, I thought it was real classy to uh, put out a video Connor McDavid did that before the puck even dropped on Friday, there was the social media post that went around from McDavid saying, you know, Connor, I really look forward to watching you and continuing to play in uh, as you develop and carve out your path towards the NHL. So from one Connor to another, and just reading some of the conversation around social media, this one really stood out to me as well. Sean Murray is the Vancouver Giants goaltending coach, also runs a goalie school and he had sent out a social post back in the summer that basically saying he's watched Connor Bedard from a 13-year-old, and he's had a lot of great shooters at his goalie camp, among them Matthew Barzell, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, um, uh, uh, Evander Kane, and he says that Bedard is the best of the bunch. So, uh, you know, if there is pressure on this young kid, he's certainly not feeling it. As you mentioned, Dustin, an unbelievable weekend, and not only points, but you know, he's only 15 years old. He's five foot nine, 165 pounds. And you would think, okay, there might be one area where he'd be just Joe average or a little bit less than, and that would be the face-off dot being that you're still growing into your body and you are only 165 pounds. Well, he won a, a 63% of his draws. So not only is he prolific with the puck, he's great in the face-off circle. Boy, the only downfall in all of this is that, you know, teams in Alberta, uh, and the fans don't get an opportunity to see him because of this COVID-19 pandemic. Certainly hope that we get out of this as quickly as possible and come the fall, fans can be back in the building. We can return to the normal schedule and Connor Bedard can get around to as many Western Hockey League rinks as possible. Not to mention, Curly, not afraid to shoot the puck 11 shots in two games. <laughs> Good point, yes. Yeah, some uh, confidence in that young man as well. And as we saw uh, on full display over the weekend, uh, very well deserved. And to Dustin's point, don't hold your breath to be seeing the 20-year-old season of uh, Connor Bedard in the the WHL. He might be a little occupied at that point. Uh, Last one for you guys. Uh, You two will be be seeing a lot of each other's teams over the, the weekend as three games between Calgary and Lethbridge starting Friday. Uh, out in Lethbridge, Saturday back in Calgary, and then Sunday out in Lethbridge. Dustin, we will start with you. Just a bit of a breakdown, what you're hoping to see from the weekend. I think from a Hurricanes perspective, Peter, it's just build on what they were able to do this weekend. Uh, They had the opening weekend uh, in the last weekend of February against Edmonton, which didn't go their way. Uh, outscored 14-3 to in those two games against the powerhouse Oil Kings and had a couple of weeks to fine-tune and looked really good, uh, as we talked about, the jam, the resiliency on on Friday and Saturday night to erase deficits to to get the win. I think the gas tank was pretty low yesterday. So I think uh, this week they have a day off today, uh, get back to practice tomorrow and and go over the weekend and, and prepare for a pretty good Calgary team that has a lot of weapons and uh, of course, over the last few years, there's been a pretty good rivalry between the Hurricanes and the Hitmen going back to 2019 in that playoff series that went seven games. So uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing Curley for the first time in, oh, what, 
400 days, something like that. So uh, ho- hopefully it's a, it's a fun weekend with a lot of good hockey. Yeah, and on the Calgary side, I just want to start with a shout-out to, to the Medicine Hat Tiger defenseman Cole Clayton, first and foremost, before I talk Hitman. Clayton had an unbelievable weekend for the Tigers. He had seven points, including four goals, and was the first Tiger defenseman to author a hat trick since Chris Russell did it back in 2007. You talk about breakout seasons in the Western Hockey League for Clayton, who, by the way, hails from Strathmore, Alberta. So if you're listening in Strathmore this lunch hour, maybe honk the horn for Cole Clayton because he had a heck of a weekend. He had eight goals in 191 career Western Hockey League games coming into this weekend. He's got five goals in seven games already in this young Western Hockey League season. So a great story there. As far as this weekend for Calgary, I just want to continue to see the development. And that's the fun part of the fact that they've been off for, you know, what was almost a year is that you can see noticeably almost period by period, just the, the rust shaken off. We don't see the orange rust on the ice, but if it was there, we could definitely see it because it's definitely coming off in spades. It's, it's nice to see they're starting to develop some chemistry, a little bit more of a, of a little bit more of a systematic approach rather than a, a rec hockey approach. Although at times rec hockey does factor into it but it's certainly a, a fun opportunity. And as Dustin mentioned, Calgary and Lethbridge, it's certainly going to be a different flavor this year. I mean, I mean, the Hitman will certainly be excited to not have to face a Dylan Cousins and a Kalen Addison and a Coltrane Wilson, and there's others. They've really played Calgary hard over the years. But on the same side, you know, the Hitman, I'm sure the Hurricanes aren't going to miss playing against Jet Wu and Yegor Zamula and Mark Kastelik and Carson Folk. So a chance to both teams to kind of turn the page, put a more youthful lineup on the ice, and start a new rival anew. All right, guys, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for this today, and we'll be chatting again soon. Looking forward to it. Good. All right, have a good one, guys. There is your WHL roundtable here on a Monday on Hockey Central at noon with Brad Curl and Dustin Forbes. The Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline working overtime, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Went a bit overtime there, so Hockey Central at noon coming to an end now. Coming up in hour one of the big show, we get ready for a massive one tonight. It's the Flames and the Oilers Battle of Alberta, uh, Alberta with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. What did we see from the weekend? Corey Sarich helps us kick off the big show next.